You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. We had a, a powerful message from Pastor Jurgen, and something, something was highlighted to me in that message, and I, and I talked about it a little bit in the altar call, but I really felt strongly that I wanted to, to go after it even more. So today I'm going to be talking about a rescue mission of sorts as well, and uh, the title of this message is actually borrowed from uh, an incredible movie, and I think it was maybe in the 60s, but it's a, it's a movie about the story of, a, based on a true story in World War II of the greatest escape from any Nazi POW camp that was ever attempted. So the title of this message is The Great Escape, The Great Escape, and the background behind it uh, is a little bit different than what you might be thinking, but it'll, it'll make sense in a little bit. So The Great Escape. This was a plan to, to rescue or to, for over 200 POWs to escape from a Nazi prison camp. And it was arranged mainly by, by uh, British soldiers and, and leaders. But uh, there, was, there was POWs from, from every allied nation there, mostly, mostly airmen that had been shot down and captured by, by the Nazis. And they felt like it was their moral duty to try and escape. Even though they were captured, even though they were shot down, they felt like they were still part of the fight. And they wanted to do anything they could to try and escape, to harass the enemy, to try and cause the enemy to use as many resources as possible. So that would take away from the frontline efforts. That would take away from those that were fighting against the allies. And so uh, the great movie, if you've never seen it, I highly recommend it. And uh, it's, a, it's a great war story. And the truth is, in this, in this escape attempt, that not very many of the men who tried to escape actually made it to freedom. In fact, I think there were only three. Only three men out of the over 200 planned to escape. But the, the truth that I wanted to, to bring out of this and that I want us to think about as we step through this message is this. Being captured does not mean that you're out of the fight. Being captured does not mean that you're out of the fight. And some of us may be thinking, well, I mean, we're free. We live in a free country. So does that really apply to us? Well, I think as we, as we step through this message, you'll find that it does in certain ways. So there's three parts to the great escape. And the first two are going to locate where we're at. And then the last one, which is what I really want to get to, is some guidance. It's some where do we go from here? Some how do we apply where we're at? So the first part, captivity. Captivity. Now, you might be thinking that uh, captivity, okay, that, j- that just means imprisonment, right? Like if you're, if you're captured, you're in prison, you're chained up or whatever. But captivity can, can mean confined, constrained, or not free to act at will. Not free to act at will. And that's kind of what I want to focus on today. Who of us here over the last year have felt like we're not free to do something that we would have liked to do. Anybody here today not free to go to a baseball game, not free to go to a movie, not free to walk into a restaurant without a mask for fear of being judged, and, uh, and not free to do so many things, not free to send our kids to school and have them learn and play, not free to do, and I got an amen back there, that's right, not free to do so many things. So in a sense, we've all been living in a form of captivity for quite some time. Is anybody tired of it? I'm tired of it. Anybody else want to break out of this captivity? Come on, then lean in, grab your notebooks, take some notes. It's a proven fact that if you take notes, you're going to go to heaven. Now, not free to act at will. There's definitely some, some reasons why 
you wouldn't want to necessarily act on every will that comes to your mind. And we actually have laws in place to keep people from acting on their will, or at least to provide consequences if they do act on their will in a way that's detrimental to society. So there are some good laws. There are lots of good reasons why you know, we want restrictions in place to keep people from murdering everybody or stealing from everybody or doing all of those other things that are in the Ten Commandments and, uh, and so on and so forth. But we also want to realize that there are a lot of laws and more specifically orders that have been coming up over the last year that seem less and less about our protection and more and more about control. So how do you know when, when a law or order shifts from protection to control? Well, sometimes it's hard to distinguish, but in a lot of cases it's really easy. For example, the cases where the people who create the laws, who create these orders, decide not to abide by them. Then you know it's no longer about protection because they're doing it. They're saying not to do it, but they're, they're turning around and doing the exact same thing. You know what that's called? A hypocrite, being hypocritical. And the Bible actually has a lot to say about hypocrites. So now I'm going to share one with you because I think it'll give us some hope for California in this country. Job 20 verse 5 says this. I'll give you a second to turn there in your Bibles or your phone. It says this, that the triumphing of the wicked is short. Amen. And the joy of the hypocrite is just for a moment. Amen. There's been, over the last eight months or so, since we opened up our doors to have in-person services, a lot of judgment that's been cast on Awakened Church and other churches like us who have made the bold step to remain open throughout. And they'll often use uh, scriptures like Romans 1 where it says, um, you know, all authority under heaven is like God has put in place and the people, the rulers in those positions of authority, God has appointed them, which is true. And we believe that, that, that God appointed authority should be followed and we are subject to that authority. But what a lot of those people, the critics forget to leave out is that in this country, that the authority rests with the people. The constitution says that we, the people have the authority and we appoint representatives to honor that authority and to honor the will of the people. But so many people in positions of authority have not been doing that. They have not been subject to the authority over them. They have not been listening to the will of the people. And something else that a lot of those critics fail to talk about is if, the, if you just read a little bit farther in Romans 13, 3 to 5, it goes on to explain what that scripture means about the authority. For rulers are not a terror to good works, interesting, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he, the authority, is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but for conscience' sake. So the people in position of authority that God has ordained are people that are supposed to be doing good, not evil. They're supposed to be enacting good orders to help people, to protect people, not to control people. They're supposed to be God's ministers. And I know for a fact that there are a lot of people in positions of authority who are not doing things that are in God's best interest, not doing things that are in our best interest, and they're definitely not acting as a minister of God's word. Amen? Anybody agree? So some questions for us as we move forward is, 
If we believe that we're in some form of captivity that is imposed on us that is not good and is imposed on us that is not from God's minister, then what are we supposed to do? If you find that you have held yourself being captain, then what is keeping you bound? And also, should we help other people become free? And another question, which is probably we don't have enough time to get into right now, is do other people want to be free? So we'll leave that one to the side for a second, but let's focus on the first two. What, do we do, what is keeping us bound? How do we get free, and how do we help other people get free? Or should we? Well, we, we need to look at what Jesus said. So let's look at Luke 4, 18 and 19. And this is the start of Jesus' ministry. This is kind of where he's announcing his intent to the Pharisees first. It was in, it was in a church of the day when he said this. And he was reading from the scroll in Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, and the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. So his mission, his goal was to set captives free, but who are the captives? They're the people who who are bound by the law of sin and death. The people who are limited in, in their thinking, they're limited in their understanding of God. And his purpose was to come and to give them life and life abundantly. That they didn't have to be bound by the law. They didn't have to be bound by these unnecessary rules. Because the blood of sin and goats cannot atone for their sins. Cannot atone for their life. But he was the answer. He was the solution. So if Jesus' mission is to set captives free, then our mission is the same thing. Our mission is to help people understand that they don't need to be bound by the law of sin and death. They are, they are subject to the right, to the good, to the godly authority, but not bound by the law of sin and death. So how do we do that? It is about freedom, and we have to understand that the captivities that we're talking about, if you're saved, it's not, it's not about heaven and hell. Jesus did that. Jesus set the captives free so that everyone in hell could have a place in heaven that, that calls upon his name. So what we're talking about is something different. It is, it is about liberty. It is about freedom. It's about understanding first that we are captive to certain things and deciding whether or not we agree with that, deciding whether or not we want to remain captive. So I want to help you with a few things today. But the first thing that I want to talk about, or the next thing I want to talk about, is what is keeping us bound? What is this cell that we're confined in? And uh, to help me out, I'm going to play a little clip, or have the team play a little clip from this movie that most people recognize. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window, or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. 
Am I on? There we go. Dang it, now i got to say it. No, I'm not going to say it. Come back to the 11 if you want to hear it. Info mic. Yeah. That movie was made in 1999, and I kind of wish it was made 20 years later, because if that movie played in 2019, I think 2020 would have been a lot different. I think 2020, a lot of people who have been held captive would have decided, wait a second, am I just living in a prison of my mind? Am I just being held captive by these artificial rules and regulations? I think it was a prophetic movie, and uh, I think that, that what's a distinction, I think, between what that movie is and the real life, in, in the movie, in The Matrix, everybody who was plugged into The Matrix didn't know they were plugged into The Matrix. It was really an issue of ignorance. They were just unaware of the fact that the, that the real world was actually something else. And I think the truth is that most people today, they know what the real world is supposed to be because we lived it for a long time. Before March of 2020, everybody was living in a quote-unquote real world. And then it wasn't until something happened, a shift happened, where, where the captivity started, where the cell was created. But, but what was the cell? In the real life, the matrix that so many people live in, and many of us maybe still are living in in some capacity, is a cell of fear. It's fear-based. That fear took us into captivity, and fear is keeping us in captivity. And that we need to, to understand it first, and we, then we need to recognize how we can break out of it. We need to recognize what the fear is and what we're afraid of. And there's so many types of fear. Some people are legitimately afraid of the virus. And there's many different situations. There's certainly people that are at higher risk than others. And I'm not, I don't want to diminish that. But there are a lot of people who are healthy, who are active, who are living in this false sense of fear over something that they can't smell, that they can't touch, that they can't see. There's so many business owners that have been afraid to open up the doors, maybe not because they're afraid of getting sick, but afraid of what the government is going to do if they do open up their doors. They're afraid of what the restrictions are in place. They're afraid of maybe going to jail if they, if they do something, if they press forward or get, at least getting fines. There's so many people that are afraid of the Karens out there. They're afraid if you walk into a store, you're going to get judged for not wearing a mask. But it's not all about COVID, right? There's so many people, so many other ways that, that we do and can live in fear. You can be afraid of making wrong decisions. You can be afraid of failure. And there's, there's so many more. And what I love about the Bible is that the Bible, even though it was written over 2,000 years ago and over hundreds of years, it's still relevant today. Because there's over 500 verses, depending on which translation you look at, that speak about fear, that speak about being afraid. And one I'm gonna th- I'm gonna, a couple I'm going to throw out for you, and uh, this first one is kind of a quint- quintessential verse when, uh, when talking about fear. It's 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And one more, Hebrews 13.6. So, mo- so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And there's literally hundreds of other scriptures about fear or about being afraid. So I'm going to make you a guarantee this morning. Guarantee, money back guarantee, that if you feel like fear is pervasive in your world, if you feel like there's, there's any type of fear that keeps hounding you, if you feel like you're trapped in a cell of fear, then there's a scripture, there's a verse that's going to set you free. All you have to do is search it out. So I want you to do this. If, you, if that's you and if you have a fear that's been sneaking in, if you feel yourself trapped or captive by fear, then look for the right verse. Look, and if you can't find it, then go to your connect group leader. 
and ask them to help you find an applicable scripture. And if they can't find it, then come to me. And if, and if I can't help you find a verse in the Bible that will help you address your fear, then I'm going to give you your money back. Ha- Ashley, what are we charging for entrance fees now these days? 50, 60 bucks? It's free? It's free? Did you, you guys didn't have to pay? How come Coral makes Scott pay every time? All right, I'll give, you, I'll give you your gas money back, and I'll pay you minimum wage for the time that you spent here. If, you can't, if I can't find you a verse to address that fear. There's, there's a verse in there. There's a scripture in the Bible that will address your situation. I guarantee it. Fear is captivating. Fear draws our attention. It keeps us immobilized. It keeps us in the cell. And the truth is, I don't want to see anybody in the church or outside of the church immobilized, captivated by fear. Because I know that there is a God who wants us to break free of fear. I know that the God who loves us so much does not want to keep us immobilized, does not want to keep us bound, but wants us to walk in freedom. That's why he sent his son, so that we could be free. The captives could be set free. We need to apply that to every area of our life. Now, there's one quick distinction that I want to make because there is a fear that's beneficial. In Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of all wisdom. And in Hebrews eleven seven, it says this, By faith, Noah, good name, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. So godly fear will actually motivate you. Godly fear brings salvation. Godly fear brings righteousness. And to go even further, Luke 1, 50 It says this, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. So there's a fear that releases. There's a fear that sets free. There's a fear that's based in faith. And that's what I really wanted to get to today, the escape. The last part of the great escape is the escape. Faith is the key to escaping fear, plain and simple. Fear is believing that something that you can't see will happen. Faith is believing that something that you can't see will happen. Wait a second. Fear, believing something you can't see will happen. Faith, believing something that you can't see will happen. What's the difference? The source. Fear is from the devil. Faith is from God. And faith distributes a measure, or God distributes a measure of faith to all of us. So we all have the capacity to overcome fear. Mark 11.22 just says, have faith in God. So there's many types of fear. There's many ways that we can be held captive. And I want to focus on three specific areas that we all, I think, have faced at some time. Maybe we're facing it right now. And either we can learn to break free or we can help somebody else break free from these. The first one is fear of failure. Fear of failure. Whenever in my life I've had this this fear of failure pop pop up, several times I've made a fear-based decision. And these have always been the worst decisions of my life. When I make a a decision, not out of of good uh, understanding or a a strong foundation, but when I make a decision based out of fear, it always works out poorly for me. Isaiah 41.10 is a great verse to remember in these times. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When we remember this, that we're not supposed to be afraid because God is with us, then all of a sudden the fear of failure just kind of melts away because you know that God can't fail. God is infallible. And so when I'm with God, 
I'm infallible. When I'm a co-heir with Christ, I become infallible because I have the Spirit of God on the inside of me. We need to understand this, and we need at times to remember this and recite this verse. And uh, it was just recently that this, this uh, principle applied very well in my life. Um, I was kind of worried about sharing this story because, um, well, let's just say my, my wife and I have this, this situation where whenever we get into a car and the gas tank is at a quarter or less, she gets really anxious. She, gets, she thinks that if you let it get to a quarter tank, you've already gone too far. You need to fill up at the next possible stop. And I, like maybe some other guys here today, think that, oh, we've got plenty of, we got plenty of gas. We can make another 10 miles. We can go down. I, the gas light hasn't even come on yet. I mean, come on. We can stretch this out. It's not efficient if you fill up too soon. Then you just have to go fill up more often. Well, I've been, taking some, I've been taking some trips out to Yuma recently, and um, I had a rental car, and I, I looked at the, the gas gauge before I started, and I had a half a tank, and I'm thinking, that's, that's fine. You know, that's plenty to get over, but it was a forerunner, and I think it was a V6, and, um, and I didn't properly calculate the amount of fuel it was going to take to climb up over the mountains as you go out to Yuma. Anybody making that, that drive? You climb up the mountains, you get up over 4,000 feet, and apparently SUVs suck a lot of gas when they're climbing. And so I wasn't thinking about it. I, th- I thought from the beginning, you know, I have plenty of gas to get out there. And, um, and so I get over the mountains. I get past El Centro, which is halfway. And I'm a, about halfway between El Centro and Yuma. And there's nothing out there. It's literally sand dunes. And I just happen to glance down at my gas gauge, and I see that it's looking pretty low. And, uh, and so I hit the little button on there to tell me what, what my range is to empty, and I start to get a little worried. Um, because I'm probably, I'm probably 40 miles from Yuma, and at that point, maybe 30 miles from El Centro. And, uh, and I, I see, uh, real quick, I pull out my phone, and I'm, I'm looking for the closest gas station. And what I find is that I'm right in this spot where I'm exactly 20 miles from the nearest gas station ahead, and probably about the same distance as the gas station behind. Or maybe I was 40-40, 40, 40, 40 miles away from the nearest gas station. Either way, I was right in the middle. The problem was that my little gas gauge says 20 miles to empty. So I have 40 miles whichever way I go, but I only have 20 miles of gas according to the gauge. So I start to pray. I start to believe in faith that I'm going to make it there, that I'm not going to get off. I'm not going to have to pull over and wait for somebody to come and bring me gas or go and walk to the next one in the middle of the desert. And so I pray, and, uh, and I, I turn off my AC. I slow down. I find a slow-moving semi, and I get behind them, and I'm, I'm going to draft this sucker all the way to my gas station because I've seen Days of Thunder. I know how it works. But then a rest stop popped up. And for a moment, I was thinking, maybe I should get off. Maybe I should stop. But then if I do that, I'm just, there's, no gas, there's no gas there. So all I could do is just wait for somebody else to come and help me out. Somebody say fear-based decision. So I didn't get off on the gas, on the, the rest stop. I kept going. I kept pressing in. And I got almost to my destination. And guess what happened? No, you have little faith. I made it. I made it to the gas station. This is one time, very rare occurrence, when I'm extremely glad my wife was not with me in the car. 
because I would have been hearing no end. In fact, this morning, I, she didn't know this story. This morning, she woke up and she said, I just had a dream that we ran out of gas on the way to church, and I was so mad at you. I was like, you're out of here. So this is a real thing with us. We're working through this. Pray for us. But you got to have faith, and it's faith and works, okay? I had to turn down the AC. I had to slow it down. I had to get behind the semi, and I saw on my little gas gauge, it went from 18 and a half miles a gallon to, to 18.9 miles a gallon. I say 0.4 miles per gallon by my works, but it was really God that got me where, there. It was faith in him that got me there. We need that faith. James 2.18 says, but someone say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Maybe you're, maybe you're not low on fuel or low on gas, but maybe you're low on energy. Maybe you have a fear of failure because you don't think you have what it takes to step out and do the next thing that God is calling you to do. Well, I want to encourage you today, don't make a fear-based decision. Rely on that faith. Rely on your works also. It's faith in God's. You, you, you pray like it depends on God, but you work like it depends on you. You do everything that you need to do. You press forward and you believe. You have a vision. You have a target in mind. Don't let the devil take you away from that vision. Don't let the devil throw things at you. Bring fear that's just a prison for your mind. You actually work it out. And if you need to, get behind somebody that's going in the right direction. Draft them a little bit. God puts other people heading in our direction to help us out. That we can work together. You don't have to work alone. Moving forward, as I, I'm, I'm running out of time, and I really wanted to get, this to get to this one as well. An area of captivity that's, that's um, not so much about us, but about our family and our friends. When we see our family and our friends held captive. And the truth is, is that everyone, everyone over the course of this pandemic has had family or friends that have been held captive by something. And, it, and every situation is different, different and, and I want to try and be delicate about this, but there are some people that have even left the church, our church and other churches, over the course of, of the pandemic. And this is, this is something that, that, that I want to speak to you directly if you're in that situation where you have a family, a friend, a loved one who is held captive right now. You cannot, you cannot let their captivity hold you captive. You cannot let their captivity hold you from the mission that God has called you on. You have to keep moving forward. Even if, even if they are restricted by fear, even if they're in a, a cell of confinement, even if they can't break out right now, you cannot, you cannot go into the cell with them. You cannot hold yourself captive with them to try and help them because you can't help them from inside the cell. You have to be outside the cell. You have to be demonstrating your life in Christ. You have to be displaying good fruit. You have to model for them what it's like to live free. And then in that model... God willing, they're going to see that. They're going to recognize that. It's still their decision. They have to make the choice. You can't force someone out of the cell. Jesus didn't force us out of our cell, but he made a very easy invitation. He made it very easy for us to take that next step, and that's what we have to do. If we truly love our family, if we truly love our friends, then we have to live our life. We have to live the life that God has called us to live. We have to move forward. We need to be an influence without judgment. We, we can't pressure them. We can't push them. We just display what we are supposed to do. We need to bring truth in love, absolutely. But display that fruit. Let your light shine. 
And one of the best ways, like if you're, if you're teaching a baby to eat, if you're teaching them about foods, then, then sometimes you'll try the foods. Sometimes you're sorry if it's baby food that you did. But you try it. You example for it. You model, hey, this is yummy. I'm going to eat this. Now you can eat this too. If you're trying to, to convince someone to work up the courage to jump off a high dive, you say, hey, hey, I'm going to go first. I'm going to show you what it's like. See, I'm fine. It's all good. There's actually an instance when we were on vacation in Hawaii, and uh, there was, on the beach, there was this little jetty that went out, and there was a, a cliff, maybe 20 feet high, about the size of a, a five-meter five meter platform, where you could climb up to it and then jump off into the water. And I love stuff like this, so I climbed up. And when I got up there, I saw this, this young girl, maybe 20 years old or so, who was, who was just riddled with fear. She was shaking. She was nervous. She was sitting down on the top. And there was a, a boyfriend uh, next to her and a friend alongside her. And as I, as I step up to the edge and I'm going to jump off, I just hear this word pop into to my heart. And so I lean down and I say to her, perfect love casts out fear. So just think about the thing that you love the most, and then you can go. And I just turned around and I jumped off. I didn't know if it was going to have the intended effect. But when I got down in the water and I started swimming away, I turned around and the first person to jump off after me was that girl. 1 John 4.18 there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. It's my parents' 50th anniversary this year, and, uh, and 10 years ago we went to their 40th, and my dad shared a story at the 40th anniversary. He said that, that before he got married, he had always had this, this sense of fear in his life. He had always, especially in the dark, whenever he was alone in the dark, there was, there was this pervasive fear that kept sneaking in. But he said on the night that he married my mom, after the ceremony, everything is done. They were walking back to their house, and it was very dark out, but he said the fear was gone. There was no fear. Perfect love casts out fear. So when you think about your family and your friends, when you think about the people that are held in captivity and you don't want to see them held and bound and restrained and con confined anymore, just remember that. Perfect love casts out fear. The only way to love them perfectly is to love them through Christ. The only way to love them perfectly is to do as Christ did, to be an example, to be a model, to live your life and move forward. Love your family regardless of their fears and without judgment. But live your life and let your fruit shine. Let your fruit do the convicting, and the Holy Spirit will speak to them. The Holy Spirit will show them the way that you have modeled for them. The last one, I'm running out of time, but the captivity that I want to speak about real quickly is a failure to launch. And I, I felt very strongly last week to, to pray over people for this, but I wanted to follow up, follow up today. That so many people have, have been right on the edge of a breakthrough, been right on the edge of launching out into something, but, but there's been something that like, feels like they keeps them tied to the dock. Like they can't get the boat past a certain point. Every time they try and launch out, they feel this tug of something that's pulling them back. Whether it's fear, whether it's orders, whatever it is, we need to find out how to cut that cord. We need to find out how to release. There's a, there's a competition in Emerge. Who's ready for Emerge? Where are all my Emerge men? That's a, that's a blind run. And what happens is one guy puts a bandana over his face, and another guy is behind him. And, and it's the, the second guy, his job is to direct the first guy who can't see to a barrel that's across the field. And the goal is to get there as fast as possible. The goal is to run, is to move, is to go fast. 
But the person who's covered up can't see anything. He's relying solely on the directions of the person behind him and relying solely on his courage. And when we, when we do this competition, when we have this challenge, there are some people that because they can't see, they just can't get over the fact that, that something is out there that might be blocking them. Something is hindering. Even though they have somebody to give them direction, even though they have somebody who's going to guide them around obstacles, they, they start, they just go out really slow. They're trying to feel, they're trying to inch their way forward. And then there's some people who just take off on a dead sprint. They just run all out. No care of falling over, no care of what's in front of them. It doesn't, I don't even think they're even listening to the guy, but they're just ready to go. They're ready to move. They're ready to get to the objective. And then as they get closer and closer, the, the controller will direct them, will steer them, will guide them to the place that they want to be. We need to be a people that is ready to go. It's the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. We have to release. We have to launch out. There's always going to be a reason not to go. There's always going to be something that we can't see. There's always going to be an unknown. There's always going to be things that will make it the right thing or make it seem like the right thing to not launch out, to hold back, to, to, to wait or to take it cautiously a little bit. We have to be a people that go. We have to be a people that believes that God is our controller. God is the one directing us. God is the one guiding us. That's what it means to walk by faith. You're not walking with your own understanding. You're not walking with what you can see. You're walking with what you believe. And you believe that a God is good is going to help you. And he is the one who knows the right destination. In fact, he's the only one. But he will tell you. He will tell you. He will show you. He will guide you. He will lead you. But what he wants to see is he wants to see you make that move to untie the boat, to release to get out of your cell, to put fear behind you, and depend on faith. Somebody say amen. Amen. I'm going to wrap it up there. There's one thing that I want to do. If we could all stand to our feet. About a year ago, when the whole COVID pandemic started, started coming out in the, in the states and, and all these orders and restrictions started to be put down, we as a church made a decision that we were going to stand on the word of God. And so we specifically read out, prayed out Psalm 91 over at all of our services, the last service that we had. And I, wanna, I want us to do this. I want to read this together with you. Psalm 91, we'll just do verses 2 through 7 because I think we need to reiterate this right now. I think we need to bring this up again right now as a, our banner, as our go forward point, as our, as our decision that we're not going to be held bound by fear anymore. So let's read this all together. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust in him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor of the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. I want to pray for you today. If you know that there's an area of fear that's over your life, I want to pray for you, and that's going to release. If you know that there's an area where you are held captive, I want to pray for you, and you're going to be able to break free. But before I do that, I want to give... Anyone here today who has, been not, who has not been set free by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who has not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that is the first step. Because you cannot walk by faith 
unless you understand what faith is. And it's impossible to please God without faith. So what you have to do to access that faith is to release. You have to release your life and put it in God's hands. You have to say, I know I have sinned. I know I have messed up. And I'm ready to accept my calling with the Most High God. I'm, I'm ready to be seated in that place of honor next to Jesus as a co-heir with Christ. So if that's you today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I would love to give you the opportunity to do that today. And I'd love to pray with you. Is there anyone like that here today? You're saying you know that you want to walk with Jesus. You know that you want to receive Him. You know that you want to have a place in heaven. Who are those ones today? Anybody today, I'd love to pray with you. Maybe you were walking with God at one point. Maybe you said a prayer of salvation at one point, but you felt yourself drifted away. And then you know that, that now is the time. You need to get back on that path. You need to get back on God's assignment for your life. You'd like to rededicate your life to him. Rededicate your life to Christ. Is there anybody like that today? I'd love to pray with you. Anybody here today? You want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or rededicate your life to him? That you've been drifting apart and now is the time, now is the day you want to get back on that path. One hand back there. God see, see you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? I feel like there's just maybe one or two more. There's a wrestle happening right now in your spirit. That you know your calling is to be with God. That you're ready to dedicate or rededicate your life to him. That, that, that your heart is pounding really fast and there's a wrestle going on between your heart and your head. I want to encourage you today. Now is the time to release. See that hand get back there. God bless you. God bless you, man. See that hand. So proud of you. See that hand, sir. God bless you. So proud of you. Thank you so much. Why don't we do this? Everybody here today, let's say these words. Everybody here, repeat after me, especially those of you who lifted up your hand. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for setting me free. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for my sins. I repent of my sins. I declare that heaven is my home and God is my father. And I will walk out my life in a way that honors him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So proud of you, any of you who raised your hands. My team is going to be back there in the back. They have a gift that they love to give you right back there, waving their hands, waving that gift. We have a Bible that we want to give you and a book called Following Jesus. It will give you some simple practical steps on where to go. The Bible, it's 66 books. Sometimes it's hard to know where to start. Well, that's a great little companion, a guide, kind of like training wheels with the Bible. So go back there, meet those amazing people. They'll pray with you, give you those gifts, and love up on you. All right, so what I want to do now is I'm going to have the ministry team come on down. And I, I want to pray for everyone who feels that there is, there is any inkling of fear in their life, anybody who feels like they're held captive, any of those things that I mentioned today, any of those ways that we can let fear come in and trap us or keep us from accessing. Yeah, ministry team can come on down now. But I want to do this. I want to, I want to pray over you all together. And then if you want to come down and receive some ministry from this team, they'd love to pray with you. They'd love to agree with you. And they'd love to, to, to help you take that next step, to untie the boat, to get past that cell, to get out of that place of fear of condemnation or judgment. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all your people here today. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your leading, your prompting in the Holy Spirit. 
that we are not bound by a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of sound mind. God, I thank you today for, for helping us understand any area in our life where we are captivated by fear, any area of our life where we are confined, where we are restricted, where we are hindering your work in our life. God, I thank you for your power moving through right now in this place. I thank you for breaking the chains of fear. I thank you for setting people free. I thank you for releasing. I bind the fear of failure in Jesus' name. I cancel that, that there is no place for that in the lives of the children of God. I pray right now for any friends and family members of anyone here today who feel captive, who feel bound. God, I thank you that your wisdom, your perfect love working through all these people here today will be an example for their family, for their friends, that they will be a light, that they will demonstrate demonstrate their fruit from heaven and that their family and friends, they will see it. The scales will fall off their eyes, that they will be led by our good works, by our good design, by your good intention coming through us. They will see the life that we have. They will see the joy that is on the inside of us and what comes out of us, God. And it will be captivating to them. That perfect love will cast out fear in Jesus' name. God, I pray against the fear of the unknown, that we will step out boldly. We will walk by faith, not by sight. That you are leading us in all paths of righteousness for your name's sake. God, I thank you for your name that's lifted up right here in each and every life. The name of Jesus is above fear. The name of Jesus above every other name, God. I thank you that we will trust, we will rely on that name in each and every circumstance, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.